Father, I thank you that we've all been bought with an incredible price. A price that cost you everything. And you bought us with much in mind. You bought us to transform us, to love us, to bring us into this love relationship primarily. And for us to love you and to know you. And for our days to be filled with the knowledge of God, the love of God, the life of God, the light of God. That we would walk with you. Not behind you, not in front of you, but with you. Side by side. I thank you you're building a church that walks with you and one another. A church that administers love and grace life kindness gentleness a church that's growing into the likeness of your son and as we continue to surrender to you and to continue just to lay everything at your feet you'll build us your way through your power I thank you that your promises are yes and amen I thank you that what you say is and happens. So Father, just continue to guide us and to lead us into this fullness of life that is only found in the Son, Jesus. So Lord, again tonight, we acknowledge you, Jesus, not only as our Savior, but as our Lord, as the one who is our teacher, our counselor, our comforter, our friend, the one who has come to guide and lead us into the fullness of life. We acknowledge you, Holy Spirit, the third part of this incredible triune one God. And we give you full rights to our lives. We sign over the declaration of our life to you, Father. And we say, build us the way you build the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to cover a few scriptures tonight. Um, so we've got much to get through, but not a lot. <laughs> that a kingdom paradox right there. We've got much to get through, but not a lot. And I thought I want to start tonight by just reminding us what this food source is all about. And I want to ask us some questions because it's so easy to, you know, hear hear messages but never really hear what's being said. And there's there's there's, there's two types of hearing. There's hearing the information, and then there's hearing what's really being said. And it's what's really being said that we need to grasp and receive through the power because that's the living word that builds us. The Bible says in 
1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14, that these Thessalonians heard, accepted, believed, received the word that was declared through the agency of man, and this word did a work within them. The Bible has performed a work. It's a building work. God is building people. And so we must hear the message behind the message. But at times I wonder if we're even hearing the information. And if we can't hear the information, then what chances have we got of hearing the, really capturing the revelation? So over the last four weeks, there's been an absolute clarity of sound being declared through each person that's spoken. And they're all saying the same thing. And the book of Ephesians is all about the same thing, which is the eternal purpose for the church. And so often we think that's eternity. No, that's God's purpose for his church on the earth now and what has always been. And we confuse it all because we run around thinking there's this individual purpose for us as people that's completely different to everyone else beside us and around us. And so we, at times, and maybe we still are, we don't yet actually haven't yet captured what his actual purpose is for his church on the earth as a body. Sure, there are assignments that God is going to have us do, but that's not the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose is in his heart, in his mind, and he wants to declare that to his people, that his people would understand his eternal purpose. Can you hear what I'm saying? His eternal purpose. Not what's my purpose. My purpose is to know his eternal purpose. It's so close, but it's so miles apart in, in the way it outworks and the way you go looking for his eternal purpose. Because he has always had his eternal purpose before we even existed. So our role is to know what his eternal purpose is and then to lay our lives down for it. Yeah. So what's his eternal purpose? That's part of the process. What, what is God's eternal purpose? What's he looking for? Right. So he's looking for a bride. He's looking for a body. He's looking for a nation. He's looking for sons. He's looking for living stones. He's looking for priests. They are all the same thing. Don't separate them out and think I've got to be a priest, a son, a building, a body, a this, and a that, and a that. It's all the same thing. You can look at them slightly different and go, wow, what's the aspect of the bride aspect that's different from the sun aspect? What's the different from the sun aspect that's a living stone and a priest? But ultimately, they all wrap back to the same position. God keeps it nice and simple. We complicate it. He simplifies it. And Paul understood this and said, man, I'm, I hope you guys are not going to be deceived in your minds from the simplicity of what this is really all about. I hope you don't complicate it and go looking for something that it's not or make it something that it's not. I hope you can see what it's really and has always been really all about because it's really simple. I'm looking for a people that are mine and that love me like I love them. Real simple. He's just looking for a bride for his son because it's always just been about a love story. The greatest love story ever known. And out of that reality and relationship, we're going to do some things with them, like heal some people, preach the gospel, uh, prophesy, understand your gift, be part of a body of Christ. But really, that's, those are the lesser purposes. The primary purpose is to fall in love with God. He already has fallen in love with you, but we must fall in love with him. 
And to do that, we must know him. Makes sense, doesn't it? You don't fall in love with someone you don't know. So the goal is to know God. To really know God, though. I'm not talking about an intellectual knowledge. I'm talking about to know God. That your whole life would be captivated by God. We heard this morning the all life, the everything life. I'm in boots and all, warts, scars, battle wounds, past, present, future. I'm in. He goes, awesome. So the eternal purpose for the church, God's will, is that he would see a bride. And we've been given a certain amount of time called life. Life is the classroom, love is the lesson. I love that. Life is the classroom, love is the lesson. So let's go to Ephesians 1 with that mindset, 9. See, the birds are singing. Can you hear that bird? They know. The birds know. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Creation. Don't drop your eyes off the creator and put it on yourself. Life will never be found in looking at the creation. Hear what I'm saying here? Eyes, life is only found in keeping your eyes on him. So I'm just going to read verse 8, because this is what Sandra covered, even though she covered a lot more last week. And everyone has covered more than what's in here, because it's about seeing the life that's behind the words and bringing it to life, isn't it? Everyone that wrote is writing from an encounter, and they write from the encounter. We have to be careful we don't try and understand what they're reading and then try and somehow then find the encounter. The words came out of the encounter with God. We operate, tend to, can be the other way around. We try and understand the words, thinking that we're going to get the encounter through the words. You get the encounter with God, you write. Make sense? He reveals you actually have something now to put down. It's come through the right channel. And so in verse 8 it says, Which he, this is talking about God, lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. So Paul knew what it was. It's not like, oh, maybe did it. No, he knew. Okay? And whoever us is, they also knew. So Paul refers to people called us, and he knows, and the people he says us, know what the will of God is. Because God has revealed it to him. That's why we need revelation, to fully know what this really is. Not a knowing about the bride. I need to have a revealed understanding so my life aligns to that knowledge, yes? Paul has this, hence God let him write this. Okay? So he knows what the will of God is, and these other people. The mystery of his will, see, it's a mystery too, isn't it? It can be fully known, but it's concealed. And for it to be revealed, it must be revealed because it's concealed. It's concealed from the flesh, but it's revealed in the spirit. According to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth in Christ. What that's saying is everything 
you need to know and come into is in Christ. So, how well do we know him? Jesus said, on the revelation of myself, I will build you. Meaning, if you know me, you'll be being built. He simplifies it. He keeps it so simple for us. But we overcomplicate it because we want to break it all down and put it into bits and little compartments and think, I need to know that, I need to know that, I need to know that. And you just find yourself scrambling, don't you? You're constantly scrambling. And then the thing you thought you knew gets changed on you. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that at all. No, because everything is contained in Jesus. Everything. That's why in Colossians 2, 2 to 4, it tells you that. All the knowledge of wisdom is contained in the mystery, and the mystery is Christ. So then that makes me look and go, actually, how well do I truly have a revealed position of Jesus? Because everything I need to know is in Jesus. So if I'm getting revelation upon revelation upon revelation of the word, Jesus, within me, I'm going to be living for the eternal purpose because I'll see it. And if I can see it, like we heard this morning, I can live for it. So in the administration at the time was Christ coming. He said, I'm bringing all the prophets, all the law, and it's all going to be what? Fulfilled in me. If you want to see the Father, look to me. If you want to know what wisdom is, look to me. If you want to know what power is, look to me. If you want to see who you're to become, look to me. And it's all in me. So be found in Christ. And you'll know everything that Paul knew and lived from. Keeps it nice and simple. Just let's get to know him. Some of you are looking at me a little bit cross-eyed like, what? It's so simple. So let's go. So then he says this, All things in Christ, in the heavens and the earth, in him, verse 11, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who worked works all things after the counsel of, of his will. Does that sound like Romans 8.28? Who wrote Romans 8.28? Paul. He writes the same thing in all the books, so we capture this. So we have been predestined for the eternal purpose. It's not a mistake. You're not a mistake. Someone thought you up before you even existed that you would be his and he would be yours. It's finished, done, sealed, but we must possess that inheritance. You understand? Paul gets it. Paul has got it. So Paul writes about it for the church to be also be able to possess what is already hers. There's not much point having a million bucks in the bank and you don't access it. It's wasted, isn't it? So there's an inheritance. He's telling you there is an inheritance. It's in this thing called the kingdom of God in Christ, and it's waiting for you to access and possess it. It's there just waiting for you to know it. It's done. It's just entering into it. There's not this big cosmic battle. 
It's dumb. The battle is the enemy just trying to hoodwink you into what is already done. He doesn't have any game. He's the father of lies. He just lies to you. See, it's like if we believe the lie, we're getting taken away from what is already done. It's just this, oh, be quiet, man, you again, come on. Is that all you got? We are called to live the life of victory. Jesus won the battle. Yeah? So there is an inheritance. It's in Christ for you and I to receive and then live out. Is that clear? This is awesome. Uh, where are we up to? Now verse 12. It works all things. I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to read 11 again. Also we have obtained. Okay, we have obtained. You hearing those words? Not coming into. We have obtained an inheritance. That's why the man was so bold in his life. This is why the man was able to say, Momentary light affliction, getting stoned, shipwrecked, almost killed. This is just water off a duck's back. Why? Because I've got something greater than all that stuff. Having been predestined, he knows according to his purpose, God's purpose, who works. God works all things after the counsel of whose will? His will. See why we need to know his will and not be asking him to bless us in our will? Because God works all things according to his will. So if we're asking against his will, it's probably why we're not receiving. Because God works in accordance to his will. He's got, he has a definite plan in his heart for the church. And too many times we're trying to find this thing that doesn't exist. Because our flesh still lives and self is still sitting there. And even what we've been taught so we're looking for something that doesn't even exist. He says, I gave you a life, and I give you an opportunity to give it back to me that you would find a life that you were called and predestined for. But you'll only find that life if you give me back the life I gave you. Otherwise, you're going to define your own life. And you will never find my will because my will is contained in me. So you've got to give me back the life I gave you and then let me define it. The choice is yours. Free will is there, but you are predestined for another life. Paul knows this life. He's living this life out. Hence, he writes it for the church to know this life and live it out on the earth. We only get one crack. And unfortunately, many in the body of Christ are living for themselves and asking God to bless their life. Still asking questions like, what's God's will? It's clear. We just said what his will was, didn't we? So if we know what his will is, why are we still asking what is his will? Because we don't know it. We can recite and maybe give right answers like the Pharisees, but actually we don't really know the truth. Hence we keep asking the same question, looking for the same thing, and yet it's right here in front of us. And so Paul, throughout his entire letters, keeps communicating the same thing hoping that as he floods the pages with the same thing, at some point the Spirit's going to enlighten us because we are inquisitive and we're asking, seeking, and knocking, and then revelation comes. So God does everything in accordance to his will. Verse 12, to the end that we who were the, who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. 
we who are the first in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Why? Because of what we know and what we're living from. For he has what revealed what eye has not seen, ear has not heard, has not yet entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who what? Love him, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 to 10. But he has revealed them to us, he said, Paul, freely. So freely I speak of them because they were freely given to us. He has an insight into the will of God that caused him to live a type of life that was wholeheartedly abandoned to God. And he was called before he ever was Saul to be this man. You were called before you even received Christ as your Savior. You were called for another life. You were called for the life that he marked out. You were called for the lane that he had marked. Before you even breathed breath, your life was already mapped out for you. The challenge is, have we found it? Or have we created our own life and tagged him on? It's a massive difference, isn't it, between Christ being your life and you tagging him onto your life. It's completely and radically different. Yet they can sound similar. One is like he's an accessory. The other one, he is my entire life source. I do nothing of my own will anymore. I consult him on everything and anything. Not do I need to buy ham or bacon at the supermarket. The things that are on his heart. This is the life Paul's in, hence God lets him write. This is the life we're to know. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Why do you work for food that perishes? Why are you attaching your life to the things that are temporal when they're fading and going? Why don't you work for food that's eternal, that's lasting for eternity? Why do you worry about things of the world when the birds of the air sing and don't even give a rip? What do they know that you don't know? What do they have, a revelation that you actually don't yet have a revelation of because you don't live like them and yet they're birds? And I know that every hair on your head, limited as it is. <laughs> he counted them when they were many and he knows them when they are few. And he says, why are you not living like the birds? I didn't want to marry birds. I wanted to marry a people. So why are we not? living like this, and yet God has given us a food source to eat that we can, and we can know it through eating and drinking, and Paul knew of this life along with these people called us. I'd love to know who they are. So let's go, he continues, and he talks about being this first in glory. In verse 13, in him you also, in Christ, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Danny read this out today. Who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. We were sealed with Christ through the Holy Spirit 
that you would come into the fullness of life in God. That's why the Holy Spirit has been given to bring the church into the fullness of the life of God. You were sealed, marked as mine, to know a life. Once again, Paul knew it. He lived from it. He says, I'm in labor until Christ is what? Formed in the church. Do you know the message, the prophetic message that is going in the airways right now is Christ in you. The formation of Christ. No longer Christ to you. No longer Christ around you. Christ in you. Times we're living in is going to require a Christ in you reality to stand, guys. It won't be a Christ to you, around you. I know this. It'll be in you. Christ in you is going to be the hope of glory when the world's getting darker. Okay, This comes through a specific way that Christ builds the church in the church. Not external, not nice buildings, people. And it can only be built, and this is not new, this has always been the case, through the method of which God gives the church, which we've been talking about for nine years. The challenge is, it's our reality, are we in? Because it requires you to step into and seek something of him. And it says, with the view to the redemption of God's own possession. Set apart means to be literally taken out of and put into something. So God is looking for his own possession. Who is that possession? Us. Can you see now why this gives us insight into the scriptures where Jesus said, if you love another more than me, you're not worthy. I've come to divide. You think I've come to bring peace. I tell you, don't think what you think. I've come to divide. I've come to divide this table. Boom. Spirit, flesh. Want everyone spirit, not everyone's going to be in spirit. Why? Because this half, sorry ladies, choose to live for themselves. This half choose to love, live for me. This half pass the relational test of who do they love and then also who are they walking and living for. Yeah, This half of the room, well, yeah, we sort of love you, but actually we love other things more than. And yeah, I'll do a little bit now and again, but don't ask too much because I want to live for me. They're doing their will. Jesus said those that lose their life for what? My sake will find life. That's very important. You can lose your life for your sake and find no life. It's lose your life for his sake and find life. So he's looking for his own position, his own people. Those who are what? Wholeheartedly abandoned to him and seeing his will established. That doesn't mean he doesn't love this half of the room. And they are still his but they won't get the reward that this half of the room get. So Jesus said, I've come to divide between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, an in-law and an outlaw. <laughs> and we can either think that's really harsh, 
or you can actually understand what he's actually saying and what he's speaking into the air and the atmosphere of what he's always had in his heart, his will, and what he's always been looking for. This is why we have to be separated from physical bloodlines. This really messes us up because we are so attached to the physical that he's not. Do you realize that? Do you realize he's not attached to the physical like you are and I am? He even goes to great lengths to tell you this by saying, Debbie, you're not my sister and you're not my brother. It's those guys on the other side of the room that are doing my will, my perfect and pleasing will. They are my family. If we don't grasp this, then we'll continue to live connected to physical relationships and they will dominate our spiritual relationships. He's coming back for his body, isn't he? He's coming back for those that have wholeheartedly lived with him and for him at the expense of physical blood relationships. That does not mean you run away from those people, but there is a coming out of. There is a coming out of the flesh and being put in the spirit and a living in the, in the spirit. So as Jesus was when he was 12 years old, he was found in his father's house when his mum and dad were worried about him for three days and said, where have you been? Because he knew he was God's own possession. The best thing you can do is get free from every person in your life and truly then can you live them with the love of the Father and be who they need you to be. Otherwise, we're still connected to everybody and we're still going to actually fall short of that standard. Because you will choose them over him every time. When the pressure comes on, you will choose your physical family over God and the will of God. Why? Because the work hasn't yet been done in you to separate you from them, that you would be his own possession rather than theirs. It's big, eh? And Paul knew this. He lived it, and he spoke it. He was an advocate for it. That's why he wrote on marriage. and said, let me warn you about the pitfalls of marriage. It's okay to get married, but there are pitfalls. You will devote your life more to your husband and your wife than you will the Christ, and you will be distracted from an undevoted relationship to the one who truly loves you, who's looking to make you his own. So I give you counsel before you enter into marriage so you don't enter it and get entangled in a flesh relationship. Nothing wrong with being married. Just make sure you're becoming one of spirit, preparing for the day that I've already called and set into being, rather than get entangled in it and actually you find you've missed it because you love the man more than you love the man or you love the woman more than you love the man. So we can see here, Paul is screaming, guys, I know the will of God. I know what God is looking for. Let me tell you what he's looking for. He's looking for his own position. You were given the Holy Spirit before the beginning of time, before you even met your family members, before you were even born, before they were even called. I had a plan and a purpose for you, before you even breathed and you even knew anybody. And we must find that plan and that purpose if we want the life that's in Christ. And you can be married and you can have kids and you can go on holidays, but... And that's a really big but. He's looking for his own position. And so he tells you throughout scriptures, unless you hate, it's a strong word, unless you hate, 
Don't even think about following me. Why? Because you won't last. You won't end up where I want you to end up because you'll choose another over me. I love you. It's never been in question, his love for us. And Paul is screaming this through this letter. Let's go on because then he gives us the way to this incredible life. In verse 15, if there is one thing you hear tonight, hear verse 15 to verse 20. So you've got all this picture that I just said, okay? Now Paul says, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints. So he's heard of their faith. He's heard of what they're doing. He's heard of the life that these Ephesians are living, and he acknowledges it, okay? And your love for the saints. I know and I hear of your love for one another, this, this incorruptible love. Because you've come into a reality. So I'm hearing about it. It's going out. It's hitting the frequency of the airwaves around the place. And I'm hearing of it. Then he says this. I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you What in my prayers. How important is prayer in connection to coming into life? Is it not the main engine room that God uses to change people? So if it's the main engine room, how much time has the church spent on its knees in prayer? Throughout its life, 24-7, in prayer, how much time are we spending, guys, actually communicating and communing with him? If it is the thing that's going to change us and change our brothers and sisters, really, how much time are we spending in the very thing that's going to make the change? Compared to maybe either trying to do the change or not even acknowledging any of it and just living for ourselves. So Paul goes, I'm praying for you. I'm going to make mention of you in my prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, you ready for this? May give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. So his prayer is that the Holy Spirit would give the church the spirit of wisdom and revelation that he would know Christ. Just comes back to the point again, doesn't it? Why does the man pray like this? Because he knows this reality, doesn't he? He is a man that was living for himself who has an encounter with Lord Jesus Christ revelation hits, spins him completely around, starts living a completely different life to the life he lived. He knows the, the reality of what he's praying for. Hence, it gives him the authority to pray it because he's praying into a target. He's praying for a bullseye. See, prayer needs to be associated with something that it's praying into. We don't just pray into the atmosphere and it's just floating, prayer aligned to the will of God hits the mark, God hears it. So the prayer that he's praying, he's praying to a very specific thing. He tells you, I pray that the Father will give you, give to you, not you're going to earn it, not you're going to understand it, learn it, give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why? So you can live the way I live. You can know what I know. What would 10,000 Pauls look like on the earth today? 
That'd be pretty phenomenal, wouldn't it? Imitate me as I imitate the Christ. See, is this, this is the vision to live for. This is the sort of vision to, to go after. That actually my life could look like Paul's. That my life, I could know God to that level of knowledge and I could actually you know, move in a way that the man did because he said, imitate me. If I imitate his process, I look at the man's life and enter into his process. I'm not called to be an apostle. I'm not called maybe to travel the world, but I am called to enter into the man's process so I can have the life that the man had within him. There's no favorites in God, is there? It's just selected for Chris Logan, that's it. No. Why? Because we're predestined, aren't we? To the same thing, aren't we? So let's go after what the man knew because he's praying here for this church. So here's one thing. He talks about the knowledge of God. Verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Where do we see from? The heart. Where does understanding start? In the heart. I pray that your heart, which is the place of spiritual knowledge and understanding, would be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. That's number two. If a lost person came up to you today and said, what is the hope of God's calling? Would you know how to answer? I hope so, because we just gave you the answer before. There's no trick questions, okay? But the hope of his calling, when we know it, it comes off like this. If I asked you what your phone number was, you'd all tell me. If I asked you what your middle name was, you'd all tell me. If I asked you when you were born, when your birthday was, you'd tell me. Okay? This is the level of knowledge that when you come into this, you know it. Okay? You will know, gnosko, you will know what the hope of his, God's calling is. What's God calling us into? Position of the bride. Sanctification. Transformation. The renewing of the mind. Maturity as sons. Why? So I can live as a son would live. As Jesus was, we are to be. So he's praying for us that the Father would give us the spirit of revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of God, number one. He's also praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we would know without a shadow of a doubt the revealed position of God's calling, what the church is actually called to as a body, not as individuals, as a body. Okay, What are the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints? There's a lot to come into, isn't there? Let's not that paralyze us, though. Let it excite us that I've been given breath to come into a life and I'm going to come into it through prayer and seeking and asking and let's do it together. Let's just not have one person. Let's have a whole body praying, asking, seeking, knocking. We touched heaven this morning for about 10 minutes. Something shifted, radically shifted. So we're pressing into something, and it's in that level of presence that God can reveal a mindset. God can do a work in the heart of a person. So we step into it, not afraid of it, but step into it. So Paul knows the reality, and the man was found in labor for the church continuously. I laid my life down. He said I would give up my life if my fellow Israelites could know the life. 
He was so in love with God and love with people that he would give his life that people would know the life he was in. That's pretty cool, eh? So he's praying that you can know the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. Who are the saints? We are. See how big this book is? We haven't even gone into chapter 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and yet one defines it all. So often we can read past it and go, yeah, no, no, because one is going to define chapter 2. Chapter 2 is going to define chapter 3. You see, it's a building upon a precept. You'll never get the bride if you don't get this. It comes through the way of revelation. See, not through the intellect trying to just read stuff and go, yeah, I've got a whole lot of information. No, it's revelation that sets the church ablaze, not information. We've got an overload of information. What we've got a lack of is revelation. So he then says, I'm praying you're going to have a revelation of just the riches of the glory that's in inheritance that you've been predetermined to have, so predestined to have. Then he says this, the last thing, and what is the surpassing greatness of his, God's power, toward us who believe? So now there's a power to know. This great power that rose Christ from the grave. Paul said, I want to know the power that rose Jesus from the dead, Philippians 3.10. I want to know him. I want to know the power that rose him from the grave. Why? Because he knows it and he wants to know it. And then he said, what? I want to have fellowship with his sufferings. You can't have fellowship with Christ's sufferings unless you know him. You will run from the sufferings because you won't have the life in you to face that. You will bolt it. But when you know him and you have his power of his resurrection, you will enter into his sufferings because you're suffering for his sake. Those that lose their life according to my sake will find the life that I came to bring. Not just because it's a good idea. He says, if you can carry on like that, but... Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, you can give your life, but you're just a gong. What do you mean, God? I did this. No, you actually did it in your own will. You're a gong. So there are these four incredible realities. He's praying that the Spirit's going to give us knowledge of him. He's praying that we're going to know what the hope of his calling is, God's calling for the church. He's praying that we'll know the riches of the glory of the, the inheritance in the saints for us. And he's praying that we would know the supporting greatness of his power to those who believe. So you've got to ask yourself, what does it really mean to believe? Danny touched on this this morning. Help me with my, my unbelief. I believe, but help me. I have a mental understanding, but help me with my heart. I believe you're the Christ. But my heart says, I don't really know if you can help me. If you can. That came from here. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you can. Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can? He said, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. My head's saying yes, but my heart says no. And God says, that's okay. Because through this miracle, I hope your head says yes and your heart says yes. So it's the same belief here. Power toward us who believe, who carry conviction, who know God, who want to know God, who believe that all that can be ours. Do you believe? Do you believe that you can know him to the measure that you can know him that would set your life ablaze, that you could say, it's but rubbish, my life? Do you think you can know the fullness of the inheritance in the saints, which is for you? 
Do you believe? You see, if you say no, guess what? You won't. Until that changes. Belief is a conviction. You're fully convinced. You may not be there yet, but you're fully convinced. Come on, I want this. Not for selfish reasons, because I want to know who I was called to be. I want to know what the church is called to be. I want to be part of this church, not meetings. I want to be part of the church, the body of Christ that has a purpose, firstly, to love the Father, love one another, and then see his kingdom explode on the earth. That is so worth living for than this little lives that we live for. And Paul prays. And then he says this, which is the kicker. These, so this is in verse 19, these are in accordance, so all those four things are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. See, I can't bring myself into that. So what's my part, Greg, in that? Greg, what are you supposed to do? Because this is your inheritance, this is predestined life I called you into, so what's my part? in that what's your part in that because it's the strength of his might that brings me into those things my role is to surrender my role is to give up my life easy Jay's saying no do you know why we we make it hard don't we it's only hard because we make it hard People say it's so hard. It's not hard when you let go. It's hard when you're trying to hold on. It's like you're trying to sit on the fence and you're trying to keep your balance to stay on the fence. That's hard. It's easy when you just let go because then he catches. But see, like the movie today, Neo had to jump, didn't he? You actually have to jump off the building with Jesus. And believe that you won't hit the ground. When everything is screaming at you, your flesh of the enemy, you're going to hit the ground, you're going to fail, this isn't the way, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You have to not go, I'm not listening, and I'm going. Whee! You have to take a bungee jump without a cord and let Jesus be the bungee. And as you do that, This is the way to this life. There's no other way. Please hear me. There is no other way but the cross. And it's the thing our flesh runs from, but it is the way to life. For those that are perishing, the cross is foolish, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's just surrender once and for all. Let go, and I will come, and I will do this work through my power. That's the simple answer to this life. It's real easy, but we complicate it because we're scared, and that's okay, and we feel the fear, and that's okay. He knows us. He wants to cast that fear out of us. He says, I'll come, perfect love me, and I'll cast all fear out. I want to bring you into a place where you don't have to be anxious and worry about nothing. Why? Because I've got a life for you that's not of this earth. I want to unanchor you and unhook you from everything that's contained to this earth and bring you into this other place called the kingdom of God while you live on earth. And it's a whole different way. Because why? Because I was called, I called you to be my own possession. 
I called you to be literally like my son. And the life he lived on the earth is the life you're to model. And I'm sorry, guys, there's no excuse because he's given us everything we need. Some people go, I'm sorry, I just got married. I ain't turning up. Sorry, I bought a tractor. Sorry, I just had a child. Sorry, I just went A, B, C, D, E, and you just took yourself out of his will. And God is so gracious and so loving, he goes, okay, I'll take the step back and we'll wait for you to come back, if you ever do. I'm not talking heaven, hell. I'm talking about from his will for us as a people, not the rock, the body of Christ on the earth that always has been and always will be until he returns. This is what Paul is teaching. And he's saying you can know the knowledge, you can know his calling, you can have his power operating in you, so you will live for the eternal purpose, which I open your eyes to see. Abraham saw the city being built. They all received it, even though it wasn't in their present. And you will live in accordance to the eternal reality now. That's what chapter 1 is all about. But it doesn't come through our intellect. doesn't come through our study. It won't come through you trying to understand it in your operating system. It comes through this thing called weakness. It comes through letting go of your strength. Hebrews 4.10 says, Those who have entered into his rest have ceased from their works. It's not those that have ceased from their works enter into his rest. It's those who have entered into his rest who have sought him, then what that does is change the way you live from you trying to bring you life and never finding life. When I enter into him, Christ in me, me in Christ, found in Christ, come to me, Greg, and I will give you something, and you're going to give me something, and there's going to be an exchange. I'm going to give you what? Rest. What is that? What is rest in its ultimate form? Or say, who is it? It's him. You'll have more of him in you. What happens if you get more of him in you? You're going to be dynamite. Do you think you'll start living and walking in the manner in which you walk? Why? Because you can, can't you? It's not you trying to whip it up. It's not you spending hours and hours and hours and hours trying to whip it up and proclaiming truth over your own life and this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And, you know, it's like, it's like watching a football game, you know, the American football. They all get, you know, and they go out on the thing and get smashed. It's like, no, no, it's like it's him in you. So then you just walk a life of victory out. And there's opposition, and there's darkness, and there's voices, and there's everything screaming at you. And you're like, oh, whatever. Why? Because Christ in you, which is your true identity, is your armor. And because you know Christ and are growing in Christ, you recognize the lies because you know who you are. You can't hoodwink someone who knows who they are. I can't hoodwink you and tell Danielle her name is not Danielle. I can try. I can try and get as close to that as possible, but she knows who she is, so it's never going to work. He's a full God. It's just God. 
You hear what I'm saying? It's just God. God's behind it all. So if God's behind it all, what is God looking for? Because he put everything in motion. So the characters in the story are there by God to help us get where we need to get. It's not this big battle between darkness and light and who's going to win. This is what we've taught. This is what we've bought into. So we're like, oh, I don't know. It's so insecure. No, the scriptures are completely the opposite. Paul had an absolute confidence in the return of Christ and said, come on, hurry up and get back. I can't wait. He's not going, oh, please don't come, please don't come, because I still haven't done X. He's going, come on, come on. I know there's a crown waiting me. I'm so confident. Why? Because I know God. I have such a confidence in God because he revealed it because I didn't know him and I entered into life. And let me tell you, let me prophesy and preach the gospel to anyone who's got ears to hear it. It's a full life. It's a confident life. It's not shrink back and live in the corner. Now, we're on process, so it's okay to come in here broken. It's okay to be so messed up you can't walk and the snot coming out of your mouth and all that stuff. Cool, that was me. Okay, so we're going to be a hospital for people, but we're a hospital that heals. We don't stay a hospital in the sense of it's just a hospital. It's a place where we send people out because God's healing the brokenhearted. He's building the church, and so we have whole people now. Not people struggling with stuff for 25 years. See, that's we've got to get past this because we're not in his operating system. And there is grace and love and mercy from him and from one another. But he builds a people who say this. I build my church and the gates of Hades do not overcome them. Do not. So what's that people? I'm getting a bit passionate. I'm trying to impart, not teach. I'm trying to impart power a reality that exists that is written in these pages and we have to extract what's really there and then prophesy them and proclaim them so we can hear it and go my goodness really yes I'm turning and I'm going to run into that reality stuff football stuff this stuff that that's nothing compared to what I just heard this Sunday night I want that you're really saying I was born for that some people don't even get to hear this, and we're hearing it week in, week out. I've got people outside the rock that want to come here, wish they lived here. They're on our internet probably more than we are, going, what's happening in your church? Are people hearing this? Are they eating it? Are they running with it? Man, I wish I was in Wellington. See, we don't know what we don't know. We need to get out sometimes, and actually get other people and go, man, do you know what you've got here? Jesus' disciples didn't. His own family didn't. His own household didn't have a clue. Do you know that's the pattern? Why? Because we have familiar spirits with one another. Ah, oh, it's just the carpenter. It's just the bank guy. That's the funeral director. Just the footballer. Just the song guy. Yeah. And we miss. We miss. And yet God has right in front of us himself, looking, going, are we hearing? This is, I, I'm, I just say this, what has been delivered, both in the morning but at night, the crystal clarity, I can't get over how online, online it is for what Paul's saying. Like if Paul was here, I guarantee you, because he'd go, this is exactly what I'm saying. Why? So you have a revelation of it, then you can speak of it. 
You don't try and figure it out and then try and speak. You come into it, which gives you the authority and the power to speak of it. Don't practice what you preach. Preach what you're practicing. And we'll leave it there. So there's some questions to eat, to grapple with, to go after. And I just hope, guys, I, I, you know, like, barring being a nut job, and I think I already am that, I just want to urge you to go after him. There is way, way, way more to knowing God that we don't yet even know, that we haven't even touched. This morning was a glimpse. So we had, I reckon, about five minutes, six minutes of his presence, and I reckon... And I'm believing for that to be every week. You all sensed it? Man, I looked up and I don't think I've actually seen this church worshipping like that in the time I've been here, if I'm being 100% honest. There were people who normally look like this. Like this. And it wasn't because we were putting the right chords. It was because the presence was raising their hands. I want that every week, every night, every day. A discipleship group on a whatever one-on-ones. That's what we're going after in him, yeah? Christ in us, Christ around us. Amen? So, yep. Because, you know, we, we um, encountered something massive. I got a, a glimpse of um, you've woken up a principality. You woke, and when you get those guys' attention, we're on down to business. And so that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, as you enter into greater realities of God, it attracts opposition. But the opposition's defeated. But you're going to attract it because there's a battle for God's own possession. But the battle has been won. So our focus is just on him. All right, let's get into the questions and um, have some fun.